Hello, and welcome to another virtual author event at the Poison Pen Bookstore. I'm John Charles, and today the Poison Pen is delighted to have with us new author Robin Yeatman, whose book Bookworm was just published this month. Before we begin our chat, I would like to let those listening in know that the Poison Pen does have copies of Robin's new book, and we would be happy to hold one for you to pick up at the store or put one in the mail. Just go online or give us a call at the Poison Pen. And now I'd like to welcome Robert, Robin Yeatman. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, I really have to say right up front, uh, Bookworm was one of the most inventive things I've ever read. It's not something you can classify or fit neatly into one slot. It's just kind of unique. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, different readers seem to uh, make of it different Thanks. So I, I've heard people um, call it a dark comedy, mm -hmm. satire, um, domestic thriller, psychological thriller, um, literary fiction. I've even had people call it noir or a rom-com. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> call it a rom-com myself. I know there's some rom in there and there's some com in there, but... Yeah, it's a rom-com gone bad if it's a rom-com. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it came out on February 14th, and I like to call it my anti-Valentine's gift to the world. That's clever. Um, I always like to start because I'm fascinated by how an author got to the point of publication, um, their background before. Who was uh, Robin before you got published? If I understand things correctly, you were a very hungry bookworm since beginning to read at the age of three. That's correct. Yes, uh, reading has always been such a huge part of my life. Uh, and I think being a reader, I think all readers agree, it's it's a way of life. Uh, what would we do without it? This is this is an integral part of our lives. And I've always been a huge reader. And um, I've always been a writer as well. I, um, I wrote my first novel at the age of 12 on an electronic typewriter. Wow. <laughs> Nobody will see that. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I've, I've always loved writing. I, I, I had my undergraduate degree in English literature and I, I took a creative writing courses uh, at university and um, it's always just been a part of my life. Did you kind of reach a point where you decided, I know for a lot of aspiring writers, you have to make the calculation, can I earn a living at this or do I need to do something different? Because mm. if I understand correctly, you're uh, you have some experience in radio broadcast and radio journalism. I do, yeah. So when I was in undergraduate university, I wrote for uh, the university newspaper regularly, the UBC newspaper. Um, and I determined that I was going to probably go into the media in some way, shape, or form. And my journey took me to radio. Um, and so I didn't do a lot of writing during that time of my life, um, but I really learned about immediacy and communication. And um, there are things that you do have to write on the fly and perform on the fly. And um, so I think that that was really informative and instructive for me, but um, it was just, a, it was a little different from, it's very different actually from what a writer's life, a, a writer's life is very solitary. And um, the experience is, is very private and solitary in the moment, whereas uh, radio is so performative. It's a collaborative effort, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you decided you wanted to um, write a novel, and if um, I understand correctly, Bookworm started out as a short story? 
That's right. Yes. Um, I, I just had this germ of an idea uh, and I wanted to explore it in a short, in the short form first. And as I was writing the short story, I kind of thought, wow, I think this might have a lot more legs. I think I could do a lot more with this. But my, my initial idea was what if a woman could see a complete stranger and be convinced even without making eye contact with that person that that is, is her person. And then it became more, I thought, well, it'd be more interesting if this woman was also married. It would be more interesting if she was unhappily married and imagining uh, the violent end of, of her spouse. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so that it, it went off from there. How did the book get into publication from a short story to the novel we have today? Well, it was a long journey. I'm sure most um, authors will attest that it sure goes slower than you'd think. Um, I worked on it uh, for probably around a year before I attended a wonderful uh, writer's workshop in, uh, in Iowa City. They have a summer uh, writers festival and I attended a week-long workshop where I uh, shared pages and got some really valuable input from my instructor and also my my peers in my class and um, and from there I was really energized and I worked on it for another full year um, and then of course there was the the search for what once I realized okay I'm I've finished playing around with it it's not getting any better it's just kind of getting shuffled around it's becoming different and not better so I stopped and knew that it was time to send it to an agent and I was super super fortunate to uh, find just a, the, the most marvelous agent I could ask for um, that's not to say that it was easy for him to find a publisher actually it was about a year and a half before we found uh, a home for it um, but uh, Sarah Nelson at HarperCollins has been was the person who picked it up and decided yeah, yeah, this, I, I like this. <laughs> because I think, as you said, a lot of people who read it didn't know what to make of it and weren't sure how they're going to sell it. Yeah, because it's it's doesn't fit quite neatly in one category. Mm -hmm. What can you tell those listening in about the book without spoiling too much of it? Hmm. So uh, this book is about a woman who's a, a reader. Uh, a very um, introverted, private, imaginative person who is in her head a lot and uh, who copes with her loneliness and copes with her unhappiness by taking flats, flights of fancy. And so this book is about, it, it asks the question, can a fantasy life be dangerous? And at what point does the fantasy life bleed into the real life? So it's that's... Also, um, it's also kind of a love letter to reading and to books at its core. Absolutely. Yeah, I had so much fun um, the, uh, adding literary Easter eggs throughout this book. There are many, many, many books that I've referenced um, in, in Bookworm. Um, Somebody told me the other day that uh, a reader on Goodreads had actually made a list of all of the book references made. And I think there are something around 40, 45 books that have been referenced. Um, and so I think readers in particular are going to have 
a lot of fun uncovering those literary Easter eggs. Uh, they were a really great way for me to um, reveal character and possibly foreshadow plot. Did you give your uh, protagonist, Victoria, some of your own bookish tendencies? I'm thinking in particular when the when the book opens, when the novel opens, she is in a cafe reading a book that she absolutely can't stand. And I immediately knew which book you were talking about, and I completely agree with you on a different level. Um, I can't understand why people love that book, but people do. But yet she won't let it go. Are you that kind of person that once you start reading something that even if you hate it, you can't? Yes, I feel this responsibility to the book. <laughs> I feel like I am, my opinion is not valid unless I've made it right to the very end. So a book that's 721 pages and I haven't enjoyed one of them. So I, I have a really hard time letting that go. I have to see it through and then I cannot like it. And then I can say, I don't like it. It, it, it's silly because I think that when people become mature readers, they realize, well, there's limited time and I, I want to read things that I enjoy, mm -hmm. but I do struggle with, um, with not finishing a book and uh, Victoria's like that too. Yeah. You're not alone. There are readers out there that just, that's something they have to do. Um, does Victoria share your taste in literature too? I'm thinking of examples you give like Anne of Green Gables and um, Patricia Highsmith are those personal favorites of yours in addition to kind of playing into the storyline uh, yeah I have to admit yes um especially the ones that you just mentioned uh Ella Montgomery who wrote the Anna Green Gables uh, series and many 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 other books uh she was one of the gateway writers for me as a child I read compulsively I have I still have all of the my LM Montgomery books on on a shelf somewhere um and Patricia Highsmith is is like a muse for me I adore her I uh I think that uh she's amazing and she's continues to be relevant people keep making film adaptations of her wonderful books um and uh, they're fascinated with her personal life uh her style is just magnificent i i think it's a it's a wonderful style to try to emulate not that i did that um but uh i i really do love the way that she her, one of her great gifts is that she endears her readers to really dis dislikable and dangerous characters yeah um i think you actually kind of really did her proud you have the same kind of economical writing style there's a lot there but there's not a lot of words used and you're right at least my experience with Victoria was she's not someone you really want to have as a best friend or a neighbor or in your life, but yet you're oddly compelled to watch how her life unfolds. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I think that she's, she may not be particularly likable. And as you say, you wouldn't want to be married to her probably, um, but she is relatable. Uh, I think that many of us have similar thoughts but we just don't voice them and neither does she voice them. They're all, we're privy to her private life. We're privy to her uh, inner life. And I, I think if most people were honest with themselves, they would say, yeah, I do that too. I look at someone, I make a snap judgment about someone. Uh, you know, when I don't always voice my opinion, I, I might smile and nod on the outside and I present one way on the outside, but I, I, I'm feeling pretty bitter or I'm feeling pretty misunderstood on the inside. Um, 
some people who feel trapped in their circumstances uh, have the similar types of dark fantasies about ways they could get out, ways they could change things for themselves. In addition to being a reader of books, Victoria is a reader of people. When she's out there, she's kind of making up stories about them. How did that come to you as an author to, I, that's a characteristic I want to give my protagonist? Hmm. I, I think I wanted her to use that uh, as a way, another way of employing her fantasy life and another way of not focusing on her own unhappiness. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, it made sense for me as a person that like Victoria, she's able to take these astral flights at night that she would also be sort of tapped into this third eye, this kind of witchy third eye that, that sees other people's realities. And, and she's comforting herself because usually when she sees a person and starts reading them and saying, thinking in her head about what their lives are like, their lives aren't very good. And so I think it's a way for her to say, yeah, that person also is, is kind of unhappy in their life. Um, I'm not the only one. That's an interesting thread that you're kind of pulling out because I think some readers, when they come to this book, will think, why doesn't she just leave her marriage if she's so unhappy? But you present kind of a case as to why she's, in a sense, trapped. And I think one of the themes that you explore is how domestic relationships, we don't really know what's going on. The only people that do are the people involved in them. Absolutely. And um, I think most people would agree that if most people who've been married or divorced would agree that it's actually not that easy just to leave a marriage. Um, it, yeah, it, it's a very difficult thing and it takes a lot of courage and it takes, uh, it can be very, very painful. So it's easier sometimes just to grin and bear it and hope that it gets better or, you know, just make your ways of escaping which aren't always good and all aren't always uh healthy or or honest that's true and victoria and it's ian i believe is her husband um their marriage is in a way kind of destroys that romantic myth of opposites attracting because they are total opposites i mean he's not a reader she's a reader even the way you structure their life she lives everything by his no clutter, sterile, white decor. Is that kind of to, to foreshadow or to um, point to what their marriage was really like? Yes, I think so. I wanted to show that it was um, in a box. It was, it was very tightly controlled and it, there's no, there's no color. There's no art. There's, there's no room to to soar and 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 explore uh you know eric has to do you know he has to have his his uh badminton game on monday and then he does this on tuesday and then he meets his friends on it's always the same every day is the same and so the monotony is is a, it's a somewhat exaggerated version of the monotony of 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 the relationship and the man that victoria fixates on is her fantasy Lover, what made you think I'm going to make him a furniture maker or a wood, <laughs> wood person? Well, I guess in a way he's, 
he fit he he's like the opposite of of the husband um he works with his hands he's she and she perceives that as being a very artistic and sensual thing so that that attracts her uh he's creative he works for himself he's not working for the man he's not waiting for someone to give him an um like an promotion and position um and he's independent uh he's I think that that really attracts her. In addition to the whole plot going on, you throw in, as you've mentioned, several things about the reader's experience. And for those that might not be as fluent, you mentioned things like a book hangover. Victoria experiences that. What exactly is a book hangover? Well, um, I think most of us as readers have probably experienced this when we've re read something so powerful or so potent even in whether it's a good powerful or a good a good good experience or or a not good experience uh we experience this hangover like we we can't find a book to follow it we can't uh invest in something new because we're still so entrenched in what we've just come from and you also talk about the the physical experience of reading um victoria is kind of stuck with digital because of her husband's wishes, but you go into kind of the, just the tactile um, sensory exploration of reading. Can you talk, are you personally an e-reader or you prefer the physical book? How does that play into your reading experience? Uh, I definitely prefer the physical book. Um, I'm, I understand that that people read in all different ways and and I have read digitally and, and that's great. There are good things about reading digitally. Um, but for me, I love to be able to hold the book in my hand, to be able to uh, glance at the author photo or at the cover at any moment, to dog ear the pages, to really, really own the book and maybe make little notes in it. Um, I love the smell of a book. I, I just think that they're wonderful. Um, now the book is published. Um, as you look back over this journey, what do you wish you could tell yourself that you know now about publishing back when you started? What has surprised you about this process? Hmm. Wow, now that's a really, really good question. I think I would, hmm. Okay, uh, I would tell myself, don't look at reviews. Um, try not to worry about about those things um, because it's really impossible to meet everyone's expectations and there are lots of wonderful readers out there who will will connect to it and there are people that might not uh, so I think that um, that would probably be what I tell myself to avoid a little bit of oh a little little bit of a upset when when I see that maybe uh, people's expectations haven't been met it's really, I, I think it's challenging for writers because a lot of times readers may pick up a book and they may not be in the right frame of mind for it at that point in time. And that's going to influence how they read it. Um, and it's fine. Not every book is for every reader. That's certainly true. But um, it's when you're, you invest that much of your literary and artistic effort into something, you kind of hope that people are giving it a fair shot that that's that's very well said um 
and it's so true that the timing is everything and not every book is for every person. Um, and maybe some people expect one thing and, and they get something completely, maybe, you know, bookworm is pretty, pretty subversive and it can maybe poke, poke at things. So it's, it's possible that some people just aren't comfortable with that. But um, I think I've found a lot of people who've responded to it and have been super, had, had lots of fun with it. So I'm, I'm just learning to let it go out there. It belongs to the reader. It doesn't belong to me anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I really respect everybody's experience, individual experience with the book. And so that, that's been a, that's been a great lesson for me. That's a very smart approach um, to take. In addition to writing a book, now authors, at least most authors, are expected to promote their books. And it's not just simply putting the book out there. You have to figure out ways to market it, how to get it to the attention of readers. You do have, I think, a background in a different kind of creative endeavor. Have you used that to market the book? How do you find yourself drawing on your own skills to get this in front of readers? Hmm. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm such a, I'm, I'm actually such a private person. So no. it's not that easy for me to just put no. myself out there. And, um, you know, I haven't even up until the book's publication, which was on the 14th of February, um, I hadn't shared my book with my family or my friends. Wow. I was so. <laughs> so they didn't know until publication date that you had a book coming. Well, they knew it was coming, but I was too. I I just told them to wait till it came out before to wow. read it, and so um, so to to promote it and to sell it is is a little out of my comfort zone, but um, but I'm but I'm uh, I'm I'm getting there, and um, I'm excited about it. I I do want to share it with. With everyone, and so I've been I've been doing what I can to to promote it and um, to talk about it, and I'm looking forward to any other opportunities that I have. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you as a reader because the book is about reading. Um, you've mentioned that you were a reader from a very young age. Are there particular authors that kind of are touchstones for you as a reader? Um, books that you've read that left you with a book hangover, authors that you find you couldn't live without? Hmm. Um, I would say, you know, as a young adult, that I was really influenced by Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, Dostoevsky, um, Crime and Punishment, and the Brothers Karamazov, th those left me breathless and just in awe. Um, more recent um, writers that I admire deeply, I've already mentioned um, Patricia Highsmith, mm -hmm. also um, John Updike. Um, oh, yeah. I'm so uh, I'm so interested in relationships and in domestic relationships. And besides being an absolutely elegant and fantastic writer, he just revisits that that theme so often um just going right into the home and right into the bedroom and revealing the the struggles and just what happens between married people um so i i really really love reading him um i i also have to say otessa mashve um as a more contemporary writer um 
really inspired me. Um, when I first read her book, Eileen, I thought, oh my God, here's somebody who does what they want. She really writes just the way she wants. And she's very brave. And uh, I just, I admire that. So I, I don't want to write a book like her necessarily, but I want to write like her in that I want to be a brave writer like she is. That's interesting. And, and um, Bookworm is definitely a very distinctive, it's um, something that won't be to every reader's taste, but you're taking a gamble with it. Um, how does that translate into future projects? Do you find yourself wanting to do all sorts of different things, or do you find that this domestic kind of crime, thriller, suspense neighborhood is where you prefer to work? Uh, I think Yes, the latter. I think I'm my next my project that I'm working on right now is would be similarly described as a, a domestic suspense satire, similar to what I've done here in Bookworm. I'm really, really interested in what happens between two people. And so I'm my next book also takes the reader right into the nexus of what's happening between a, a, a different couple. Has the second book been a different experience? Because for many writers, you have so much time to work on your first book, and then you're given the chance to write a second book. And it's like, okay, you've got six months or whatever the time frame is. Yeah, there will definitely, yes, it's, it is a different experience. I do feel like because uh, people want to see a second book, that I, I better get moving. It's not like the first book you just sit, you know, you never even know if, yeah. if this will ever see the light of day. I was up between five and seven every morning or I was on the side of the, the road in my car and I was just writing, not knowing that if anybody else would ever see this ever. Um, so it is a different experience in that way. Um, but I'm still feeling like the process has not changed for me. I, uh, with, with Bookworm, I knew where I wanted to go. I, I knew what I wanted the result to be, but my experience was really like groping around in the dark. I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't have like a, a structure written out and I didn't know how I was going to get there. So it was just taking small steps every day. It was taking very small steps towards this destination, but without a flashlight. Yeah, I think some writers have described that process. You know the end where you the journey ends, but you're just walking along with a flashlight only seeing a few feet in front of you as you write. Yeah, that's how it feels. And sometimes I don't feel like I have even a flashlight. I feel like I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I'm gonna fall down a cliff. I don't know if I'm gonna bump into a wall. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received about writing in your experience? I think that actually the best piece of advice that I've ever received was I actually read, I'll mention Patricia Highsmith again. I read her um, how to sort of how to book um, plotting. I think it's called. Oh, it for the, yeah. The mystery writers of America or something like that. Is that yeah, the... it was a, Plotting uh, and writing suspense fiction, it's called. Mm -hmm. It's a small, it's a delightful book. Even if you're not a writer, um, mm -hmm. she's got so much personality and and fun in the, and she's very uh, irreverent. And she shares a lot about 
the mistakes that she's made as well as her successes. But uh, what she said that really stuck with me is that um, when you want to write, when you write something, you should write to, pl to please yourself first you and only you, you should be pleasing yourself first. So there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of um, thoughts about, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to be published. It's really, really tough. I actually feel like I've won the lottery. I feel very, very, very lucky. There's a lot of wonderful writers out there that, that don't get published. So um, there's a lot of pressure to write something that you think would maybe please a lot of people, but I really feel that you need to please yourself first and when you're pleasing yourself and writing the book that you want to read, then you're on the right track. That's very smart. Um, can readers, do you have ways of, of readers finding out more about you, a website or any on social media? Um, yeah, um, I do have a website, uh, robinyateman.com. I have a website. I'm on Instagram, uh, robinyateman27. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Robin Yeaman. Um, yes, those are those are my my places to find me. That's great. Um, I do have one question. I think I read somewhere that if you could do something over again, would you include lyrics from a John Lennon song oh. in the book? <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't. Uh, that was a really rookie rookie mistake i i had a well i had a scene where there were at least six to eight lines from this wonderful john lennon song and i didn't have any clue about how that works in the real world you have to ask for, for permission um when you include almost any amount of lyrics um and i would not recommend that to uh writers to do that because uh the cost and the time that that takes uh just probably isn't worth it, um, even though the, his lyrics are just very special and wonderful. But um, yeah, I, I ended up having to learn a little bit about the legalities of that and having to make some sacrifices or compromises where that was concerned. I wish I could have used all of his wonderful lyrics, but couldn't. It's amazing for um, something that's so short and so like lyrics, they're very protective. It's really, you know. Yes, I learned that uh, you can really only use probably around uh, maybe two lines and they have to be embedded in the text. They can't be on their own line. They can't be showcased. Um, and it has to be a limited amount of words. And so we worked with what we were allowed to do. <laughs> well, I'm glad it resolved itself happily. I can't believe that our time has flown by so quickly. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with readers before we have to go? Oh my gosh. Well, I just, I'm just so happy that Bookworm is out there. I hope it reaches book lovers and I hope it uh, speaks to people who have experienced complexities in their relationships. And um, I hope it makes you laugh too. I think you'll find all those elements in the story. I want to thank Robin Yeatman for joining the Poison Pen for a recorded author chat today. Her new book is Bookworm. It truly is ingenious in many ways. Um, it will definitely leave you thinking about how you view the world and people. Um, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in to another recorded author chat at the Poison Pen Bookstore. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated. 
please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.